listening to She Rises, a podcast dedicated to women who are ready to stop settling and start living their lives by design. If you're ready to talk about the stuff that weighs you down and get practical advice on everything from your health, body image, spirituality, relationships, and personal growth, then you're in the right place. Hello, I'm Giovanna Capoza, your host, master coach, spiritual teacher, and mind-body expert, and I'm on a mission to unsettle women all over the world. Are you ready to rise? Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of She Rises. I'm excited to have you back on the show today, listening in to this special guest that I have for you. Craig Filek is the founder and creator of Purpose Mapping. With over 20 years' experience facilitating deep inner work, Craig has developed Purpose Mapping to bring his own life into alignment after walking away from a seven-figure business and what he thought would be his ideal life. Now, he guides high achievers around the world to realize their full potential by clarifying their purpose, aligning with their flow state, and by playing into their strengths and making a meaningful contribution every day, one tiny step at a time. This is an important conversation because like many of you listening, I have wrestled with the question probably, gosh, since the time I can remember being in in the high school, early years of high schools, what's my purpose? You know, where is it that I'm going to contribute in this life? And many of you that are listening, maybe this question didn't bubble up until later in life and that's fine too. But this question around purpose is definitely a meaning one for me personally, and also one that I see showing up with my private clients. Indeed, many of the people that come to work with me have already felt some modicum of success in some area of their life, and yet they're still feeling not aligned to their purpose. They're not really contributing in the way that they desire or in the way that they thought they might. So this conversation is going to be substantive for you. I hope you take notes. I'm excited to have Craig on the show to share his insight and his philosophy. And I really hope that you join us after the show in the show notes, ask questions. You'll find extra information there in the show notes about Craig and his website and a special gift from Craig as well. Looking forward to having you hear this episode. Enjoy. Hey, Craig, welcome to the show. I'm so happy to have you on She Rises. Thank you. It's so great to reconnect with you. I'm excited to have you here because you are the master of, and to me, you hold the key of something that is, you know, it feels like the elusive holy grail to some people, which is purpose. What is my purpose? Why should I find my purpose? Why is it important? How does one figure it out? And, you know, how do, how do I know when I got there? So you are the purpose mapping inventor and genius you've developed this unique system, which, I mean, I've gone through it. As we said before we started recording, I'm going to go through it again because it's so valuable. And I wonder, before we even begin and dive into letting people know what their purpose is, if you could tell us a little bit about how you found your purpose. How did I find my purpose? Well, first of all, you give the best intros, so thank (laughs) you for that. (laughs) Um, How did I find my purpose? You know, I think that purpose, it's an excavation. I was a philosophy major. And so when we get into things like purpose, right, these are deep, abstract questions. You know, what's my purpose? Like, who am I? Why am I here? Why do I exist? And I think it's really important to start by making a key distinction, particularly between purpose and mission. I think that those two words are often used interchangeably. They're Mm. used to define one another. 
And I think it's important to, uh, as a good philosopher, begin by defining our terms. So purpose is the reason something exists. And so as a philosopher, I studied Descartes and, you know, there's, uh, you can see videos of Elon Musk talking about, you know, what if we're living in a virtual reality simulation? And I'm not going to get into the mechanics of all that, but you know, there's this idea of what if this is just a dream and we're just dreaming we're awake? Well, the only thing we can truly know is that we exist. That's it. Everything else could be an imagined dream, but we know that something is aware of whatever we're perceiving to be our life, and so something must exist, and if I'm aware of myself, I must exist. Okay, therefore, I must have a purpose, and that's where it really begins for me. So that's existential, right? I have a purpose. I exist. Mission is strategic. Mission is, so now what are you going to do about it? And we, we can get into, you know, how this all shakes out because that's actually what purpose mapping does. But your question was, how did I find my purpose? And I, and I think that it was, I stumbled upon a process uh, as I was, well, I'll give you the, the whole context of it. I was, I was adopted at birth. And so there was always this nagging sensation of who am I? Like, really, like, you know, what is this life about? There's a lot of suffering going on inside. How am I going to justify this suffering with my continued existence? And when I had a child uh, at about 24 years old and things didn't work out with her mother, I had a lot of time alone in a new city up here in Rochester, New York. I'm from Chicago. And Rochester's not exactly a booming metropolis. You know, there was no, <laughs> no Google headquarters. You're back in Toronto, so you kind of know the area. It's, a, you know, this is the Rust Belt. I mean, Toronto's a booming metropolis, but, you know, these Rochester was America's first boom town. And so it had its heyday. And now when Kodak and, and Balshalam and Xerox all kind of moved corporate to Connecticut and manufacturing overseas and, you know, failed to produce the, the digital camera in time, you know, everything just kind of went to went to pot here. And so the, the town's limping along and there wasn't exactly a huge hub of innovation. And I'm a pretty innovative character. So I spent a lot of time trying to figure out, you know, like, what do I do with my life? Like, I didn't want to abandon my daughter. So I was choosing to stay in Rochester, but I couldn't really relate to people, which meant that I didn't have a lot of friends. And it meant that I spent a lot of my free weekend time uh, when I wasn't being a dad in Barnes and Nobles, reading everything I could get my hands on about personality, uh, self-help, uh, psychology, uh, you know, some metaphysical stuff. You know, I, I had a degree in philosophy and religion. So I was really just doing this huge survey of the literature from the past several thousand years on how do we understand ourselves? How do I come to know who I am? And at, at the same time, I was reading some work by Ken Wilber. Are you familiar with him? I'm not, no. Okay, so he's considered the foremost philosopher alive on the planet today. They, they talk about, you know, Aristotle, Nietzsche, Wilbur. And he came up with the integral philosophy. And he did something similar, much grander than I was doing. He basically looked at all of, you know, the work of humanity. And he helped kind of shake it out and, and help us understand why science and religion, you can't really compare them. They sort of exist in parallel dimensions. And, and he kind of broke, broke everything down to these five core models. Well, the way he did that was he basically took a Venn diagram and he said, okay, take Christianity, Islam, and Judaism, and there's a lot that they fight about. But at the heart of them, they're all talking about a few very common principles, right? There's one God, uh, you know, don't judge, right? 
these sorts of things. And we can agree on all of those things, right? No matter what your cultural sort of bent is, the heart of these religions are all saying the same thing. So this is what he called integral critical thinking. Well, I applied that basic Venn diagram idea to all of this personality information and and psychology and philosophy. And it all started to shake out into a few very key ideas that seemed to be at the heart of all the success literature. I had become an entrepreneur because I didn't know how to be innovative in these old dying companies. And I was, so I'm reading Tony Robbins, Stephen Covey, uh, Michael Gerber, uh, you know, all of these great business philosophers, really, and, and sales philosophers and psychologists. And it just all kept shaking down to purpose. And so I, I started looking at my personality profiles with this Venn diagram, looking for my purpose. And I discovered something pretty radical, which was that, you know, you can you can do your Myers-Briggs, you can do your Enneagram, you can do your human design, and, and you'll learn a lot about yourself. But when you triangulate them, when you put them in the Venn diagram, and you see what they're all pointing at in the middle, that's a profound experience because you can't get around it. You can't deny it. All of a sudden, it's like a cornerstone. So that was that was my process. And then over the years, I started sharing that with friends and ended up going on to build a business uh, with a woman that you know I did her purpose map and we built a, a million dollar a year business together. And I ended up walking away from it because I realized this isn't totally it for me. And I and I just sat still for about nine months, waiting for. Can I swear? Is that okay? You, oh, please swear. Waiting, waiting for my fuck yes. Right. We talk a lot about fuck yes. And, you know, with the place we met with Rich Litvin and right. The, the fuck yes. Right. If it's not a fuck yes, it's a no. And I just started saying no to everything. And it was excruciating. I don't recommend it unless you can't, you know, not take this strategy. But I just had to say no to everything. And eventually the fuck yes that came up was what I now call purpose mapping. I was sharing it with a friend and, um, and I just realized I love this. Like I love guiding people through this because it is such a profound experience and I can't wait to do it with you. I can't wait to lead you through it. Um, but once you get to do it, (laughs) once they click, it's kind of like, Oh, right. It's this excavation I was talking about. It's almost like you had never seen yourself in a mirror, but you can kind of see the profile of your nose and you can see the color of your hair and then you look in the mirror and it's like, Oh yeah, yeah, of course, right? It's not like shocking, but it's it's just this sense you've always had. And once you are faced with it, it's like, oh, of course. So I love this because, uh, and I love the way you got to it. It's it's almost like you know they say necessity is the is the mother of all invention kind of thing. And so you found yourself in this place, which was pretty. I would say, I would use the word desolate is what's coming to mind. Um, You know, desolate of stimulation uh, of that would, you know, stimulating for you and and, and friends or connection. And I love, you know, being, and I'm, I didn't know that you had studied philosophy. And so I'm so not shocked that you're a philosopher because to me, I look at you and you just, you're the philosopher. That's what you look like. And so you went back to your roots, so to speak. Did you think you were like, was there a suffering in you? Was there a yearning in you? Or were you just kind of you know, interested in filling up space and time? Or was there genuine like calling in you to like, oh, what is this thing? It was, you know, in the hero's journey, they talk about the call to adventure. And so, you know, we live in the ordinary world, this mundane world, and then there's this call to adventure. So, you know, Luke Skywalker living in a hole in the desert, right? Harry Potter living under the stairs, you know, Neo in the matrix, just, you know, living in his little hovel of a, whatever is flat. And then all of a sudden there's this call to adventure. And the first thing we do is we say no. And then something happens, right? Luke comes home and his, his hole in the desert is, is a smoldering heap, right? And it's like, oh, guess we're going on an adventure, right? Can't go back. 
there was this such an excruciating existential angst within me that that I did not know what to do with that I could no longer refuse the call to adventure. Ooh, okay. Well, I'm just taking a deep breath there because <laughs> I have felt that and probably for a lot of the listeners right now that have felt that, you know, like everyone just take a deep breath right now because that is the call. That's the call that eventually, like I think, you know, my opinion is that will lead you to your purpose. Because to me, it's that place where you get to where you realize I just cannot settle anymore, right? right. Something has to give. I love that. I'm so happy that I, that I asked you that and that you shared that piece with us. Yeah. So how, you know, besides obviously, and we're going to give this in the show notes and, and lead people to your website so they can sample and have a taste of purpose mapping for themselves. But yeah. beyond that, someone's listening and, you know, maybe they have an idea of what their purpose is. Like maybe they're, they realize their purpose is to teach or to serve in some way uh, mm-hmm. like that. But they just have no clue how to go about doing it. Like there, then there's the tactical kind of how-to question. Where yeah. would you guide people when they start getting into that mindset of, well, how do I do it? Right, because there's that big risk of falling into the how hole. The how right? hole, yeah. The how I don't hole, know right? what you're talking about. I've never done that before. I know, I know. Well, <laughs> but how? You know, what, what did Izzy say? Uh, step two is the dream killer, right? Just stay focused on yeah. the next right step. If you're always focused on the next right step, you'll get there. Mm. And so, you know, in the purpose mapping process, we start by really defining the being and the doing, right? Of the duality of our human experience. There's a being side and there's a doing side. And there's things we do that feel better and ways of being that feel better. And there's ways of being and things we do that feel worse. And so we begin by just kind of mapping out this basic psychological wholeness. And That is where we get the the basis of understanding your purpose. So you might know your purpose. You know, most people come to, when I'm working with people, they come to the call and it's not like this is, you know, tabula rasa. They're not starting from scratch. Everybody's got a sense. Like I was saying, it's it's just like you've never seen yourself in the mirror, but you kind of know, you kind of have a sense of it. And so what we do is we redefine your, your strengths, right? So there's these four quadrants. I'm not going to get all the way into it, but one of the quadrants is your strengths. And so that's part of your purpose, right? There's a way that you are designed to deliver your purpose. And that is through your strengths. And when we're engaging our strengths and when we're leaning just 4% beyond our comfort zone in the direction of something that, you know, feels meaningful, feels like we're capable of, but a little past what we feel capable of, right? Like getting on stage or, you know, doing something that's just a little scary. If you've ever gotten on stage, you know that there's this experience where fear meets excitement, right? Where your neurochemistry, you just, you're cranking adrenaline and then there's dopamine, right? And you hit this flow state and it's like, it's quite an extraordinary experience. Maybe it's not getting on stage for everybody, but we've all had these experiences. It's important to identify not just your purpose, which again is vague and abstract. It's sort of, you know, it's this thing you're always doing because it's the reason you exist. So you've done it since birth in a way, right? In this Fibonacci spiral kind of a developing complexity, right? Like an acorn seedling grows into a huge oak tree. It's the same pattern. It's just, you know, it's growing in complexity and magnitude. So you've always kind of done your purpose. 
developing your strengths, well, that takes time and that takes time to come to understand what the, what your strengths are and how to really double down on them, right? And we've learned from like Gallup and Marcus Buckingham that don't rearrange deck chairs on the Titanic. Don't worry so much about improving your weaknesses. Like, yeah, you got to plug some, some holes once in a while, but just double down on your strengths and outsource or delegate or find a teammate or just organize your business in your life so you don't have to play to your weaknesses because that's what feels bad and that's what takes you out of what I'll, I'll name as the flow state, right? This sense of, wow, I'm fully alive. I'm fully present. I'm doing what I'm here to do. It's not a concept. It's a felt sense experience. And that's what we're all ultimately looking for. So if you, if your purpose is to teach, right, to teach something in a certain way, how do you teach that? Do you teach it through podcasts? Do you teach it through speaking? Do you teach it one-on-one? I work much better one-on-one with people than I do in groups, or I certainly don't belong on a stage. That's just not what I'm built for. So I need to know that because otherwise I'd get caught up in this rah, rah. Yeah. I need to take, you know, love Lisa Sasevich to, to death and I, I do not belong <laughs> on stage. So right. Like her program is just, and I've taken her program and it's great. And it's just not a fit for me. Right. So this is With really, estate, really important. It's yes. totally important. And I just want to interject here just so that people that are listening really, really get this because what we tend to do and what Craig is saying here is what we tend to do is we have this vague notion or sometimes we really, really know what our purpose is, but then we get caught up in how other people are doing it or how we can't do it that way or we focus on where our weaknesses are and where we think we have. So we take courses and we, we try and learn to strengthen all the weaknesses and we end up right back where we started, which is frustrated, not living on purpose, not aligned and just uh, totally. And thinking, okay, this is not meant for me instead of what you're suggesting, which I love is really, really get clear about what your strengths are and then play to those strengths in that pursuit or alignment to that purpose. That's right. That's exactly right. Yep. So that's it. Right. And so, and you know, a lot of us, we have to, we have to fumble through with the combination lock until it kind of opens for us. But then once you figure out what that combination is, you better write it down. You don't want (laughs) to wake up the next morning and have forgotten the combination. Right. So that's really what the purpose mapping framework is, is it's kind of capturing, okay, this, you know, these are the cheat codes, you know, to get through the video game of life. And so, where we go from there is we walk it down right into a vision statement, which is, you know, this is the North Star that everybody talks about, right? You're always reaching for it, but you'll never actually attain it. It's just this guiding star that, uh, you know, through the vicissitudes, the ups and downs of life, it's always there for you to reach for. But it's this utopian dream, right? It's a world where if you could reach all 7 billion people with your purpose, what kind of world would we live in? It's important to think in those terms, kind of to check your logic and make sure like Kant's categorical imperative, you know, it's or the golden rule. It's another principle that describes the same thing is like, if I fractally replicate this outwards, would, would it be a world worth living in? Right? And so we got to check that. So we have our vision. So purpose, then vision, then mission. Your mission is this three to 10 year, big, hairy, audacious goal. It's the mountain you're climbing, right? It's eight years of grad school to become a doctor and do your residency and then, right, graduate. You will get to the top of the mountain. You will plant your flag and say, I did that in service of developing your strengths so that you can give your contribution to the world and live your purpose. Mm. 
And then, of course, we break it down into a milestone, which is, you know, the base camp up the mountain or the semester. It's a six week to six month kind of near term objective. And then back to what is the very next step that I need to take? The one thing I could do that will make everything else I need to do easier or unnecessary. Right. What will make success inevitable? If I can just take one tiny step today, can I schedule a meeting? Can I make that phone call? Can I review that? contract, right? What is the one little thing? If I get nothing else done today towards my mission and living my purpose, that one little thing, when you do that, puts dopamine in your brain, right? It increases uh, your positive outlook in the world. It increases your openness to new experiences and new people, which means you'll attract those opportunities and people into your life. It's the simplest thing. But when we don't take that step because we fall in the how hole, we get so overwhelmed with all the things that need to happen right? We lose that opportunity to create dopamine. We get depressed, we get frustrated, we feel bitter and we want to give up. And the only way out of that is to take that one step every single day and you will build momentum and you will start to experience life in a way that you've always known possible. And we call that alignment and it's extraordinary. So part of my job here is to also be the devil's advocate. And although I know that there's probably not many of these women listening, if any at all, because my audience are these highly motivated women. There might be someone listening right now that says, Craig, Giovanna, like, who cares? Like, I, you know, I got my house. Maybe I live in the burbs or maybe I live in a nice condo in the city. And, you know, like I, I have a job and I, you know, I go out with my friends on the weekend and I have a decent enough life and maybe I have a partner. And like, why should I care what my purpose is? Like, why, why should I bother to find out what that is. Now, I have an answer to that, but I want to hear what your answer to that is. I'm totally unconcerned. I have no problem with that. If that people want to live in the, what I call the golden hamster wheel, right? Where they're just, Ooh, going I like through that the, term. right? Yeah. They're going through the motions. It's like, you know, it's like, I don't want to get off of this thing because I don't know what's, you know, it's like I climbed the ladder of success. I got to this point and now it's just turned into this hamster wheel. It's Maslow, right? We get to this level of ego achievement and I think it's got a, I think it's got a ceiling on it and you can run as fast as you want, but you're just going to get tuckered out in order to get to the good stuff, the self-actualization, the significance in life where there's meaning, where there's true fulfillment, you know, cause every step up that ladder, there's dopamine, right? You get that new job, you get that new car, you get that new house, you get that second car, you get that second house, you put the kids in private school, you take that vacation. Great do all that. You know, Jim Carrey's got this great line. He said, I think everybody should become rich and famous and have everything they want so they can realize that that ain't it. Mm -hmm. Get that, right? There's a reason that success comes before significance in Maslow's pyramid. You got to get that. And then you got to get to the point where you're kind of like, okay, where else can this go? And if you're not there yet, enjoy your Starbucks. I mean, have, you know, do what, you, <laughs> do what you do. I mean, there's no, I don't, I don't have any need for people to do anything different, but right. I do think that we all are yearning to live a more authentic life, to live a more fulfilling and meaningful life. And it's just a question of, you know, which dog you feed, your conditioning, your social conditioning, or, you know, that uh, still small voice that lives in all of us. I, I love the way you put that. And and it, and it's true, you know, like that there is no judgment if that's how you choose to be. And, and there's times in our lives where, you know, you don't always have to be pushing and growing and pushing the envelope to the next level. And there is this, my belief is that there's this, this essential human or even psychological need 
to be growing. You know, there's that old saying, if you're not growing, you're dying. And so eventually in everyone's life, there will be, you know, some kind of challenge. You talked about earlier, the call to adventure. I mean, you say no a couple times and then something happens that makes it impossible for you to say no and to deny taking that journey. And for some of us, you know, like Oprah years ago on her show said, you know, first you get a whisper and you get a nudge, you know, and then you get a brick in the head. Um, And so into everyone's life, challenges or, you know, things come up where we're called to align ourselves again to our purpose, whatever that is. And we just, we wouldn't label it. We don't know that that's happening to us at the time, but my belief is that happens to everyone at some point. Yeah. I mean, thankfully, and boy, does it suck. I mean, (laughs) right. It's just, it's just the worst, but I think it's kind of like, I have a teenage daughter, she's 16. And, um, you know, the very first thing that occurred to me when she was born and we thought we were having a boy and, uh, and she popped out and I looked down and I said, Holy shit. There's something missing. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I wanted a daughter. I was so glad, right? And I couldn't be more pleased with how she's turned out. But the very first thought I had was she's going to be 13 someday. Very first thought that crossed my mind. And I just knew that, okay, there's like a switch that flips and hormones and holy smokes. Now there's a, and I remember looking at her and being like, okay, you're a woman now. And she's like, yeah, (laughs) like it was just that night and day. Scary stuff, Craig. (laughs) It was so, so, you know, a couple years, we went a couple years of, Hey, listen, that really hurt. And I don't need you to do anything different. I accept this. I expected this and you do you. I'm the father. You got to do your thing. Right. And the pushing away. And, you know, I think that there's, there's a way of facing the challenges and knowing that they're coming and you can almost kind of time them. I mean, if you're between 28 and 30, you're probably going through the ringer. You know, if you're 36, 37, you're probably hitting some hiccups. Um, let's say 43 to 45, you're getting squeezed. You know, there's these, there's these rhythms that happen in our life. And a medicine man taught me this. Um, he said, on the plains in America, when the thunderstorms come, Every animal that can runs away or hides in a hole and the bison turn into the storm Mm -hmm. and just walk into it because that's the way to get it to pass faster. So I think the mature, responsible thing to do is if you're starting to feel those, you know, those blips on the radar, it's to, it's to turn and face the challenges and say, Hey, look, this is coming and I'm not getting around it. I'm going to go through it and then get some tools, get some support you know, find, find some way to help yourself steward this process to midwife yourself through a pretty excruciating rebirthing transformation and then get used to it. Because I think once you kind of, once you go through it once, you get a bit of a taste for, Ooh, the the other side, the reward is really extraordinary. And like, we kind of get a, a hunger for those transformative experiences of those, what do you call the holy fuck factor of like, <laughs> yeah, like, yes, I want more of that. And we just learned that, yeah, there's just a process to going through that. And so getting good at going through those transformational periods, I think is, I just think it's good advice. You know, I think it, it's one, the one thing that looking back on my life, I realized pretty early, like, shit, these just don't stop and get good at them. 
Well said. Well said. They just don't stop. I mean, and even when you know this stuff, you know, I, I've had moments where I turn to some of my friends and I'm like, can we stop the bus? I just want to get off. Just stop the bus. <laughs> I, I want to get off. I want to just stay here for a little bit. But it's true. Like it's getting uh, used to and finding a way to thrive in the changes of life. Because the alternative is, you know, for me, the alternative is just not changing and status quo. And like, what did you call it? The golden hamster wheel. And and there's a there's a, an innate sense of death in that for for me anyway, and for most of my audience that are listening and wanting to always do better and and improve themselves. So I love the way you put that, Craig. If you could leave our audience with one last morsel of your wisdom around truly, you know, living a a fulfilled, authentic life, existence, even business. It's a big question, but what would be one or two morsels you can leave us with? So, you know, my, uh, my message, right, if I had to boil it down is, and I'll tell you what it is, and then I'll unpack it a little bit because it needs some decoding, I think. When everybody gets to the bottom of purpose mapping framework, right, the last portion under the what's the clear next step you need to take, right, and asking yourself that every day, there's these four quadrants, right? You're, this comes from Ken Wilber, the philosopher I mentioned, that yourself your body, your relationships, and your systems. And your systems breaks down into your environment system, right? And in business, we know that environment is the better part of strategy. Rich actually just had a great email about <laughs> don't fight your environment. It's too mm-hmm. powerful, right? So you got to structure your environment to work for you. So feng shui, you know, these types of things. But there's also your contribution system. And so your contribution system is what you give into the world and what you receive back. And so everybody gets to the bottom of their purpose mapping framework and they say, Craig, great. So I know my purpose. So like, how the fuck do I make a living with this? And the answer is build your contribution system around your flow state. Mm, Say more about that. Build your contribution system around your flow state. Right. So your flow state is that experience of feeling your best, performing your best, right? It's where the challenge right? It's like, we're not bored. We're not hyper anxious. The challenge matches us and then stretches us just 4% beyond our comfort zone, right? That's the actual brain science, 4% beyond what you believe you're capable of. So I think of people's lives like a block of wax and the wick has sort of, you know, fallen down to the bottom. And all of a sudden one day you reach that point where like, stop the butt, like I got to get off, right? Like, (laughs) right. Or this, I can't stand this anymore. And we take a screwdriver and we jam it into this block of wax and we try to pull the wick out and it's all kind of decrepit and we push it back in and light it and it's just a mess. What we need to do is we need to kind of melt you down a little bit, pull the wick out and straighten it. That wick is uh, in the metaphor, that's your flow state, right? That's where the, the flame is. That's where your gold is. And so what we do then is we go back to the melted wax, which is your life, and we, you know, we straighten that wick and we dip it in. We do an experiment. We see, hmm, did that work? Okay, cool. What did we learn? What would be even better? Dip it again, right? Dip it again. The way that I built purpose mapping into a business was I said, I love this. I'm giving this to a friend. This feels great. Totally put me in flow. Let's try it again. Gave it to one of her friends. Loved it. Right. Within about uh, three, four months, we, we were doing a workshop, a live workshop. Right. She was helping me fill my calendar with, uh, you know, people just referring people that she thought would really like it. And eventually people start saying, can I pay you for this? Yeah. Hell yeah. Right. And then the thing just kind of grew 
from there. So dipping that wick in and eventually what ends up happening is, you know, just like making these old beeswax candles. My, my partner's a Waldorf daycare teacher. So they're always dipping beeswax candles in the crock pot. <laughs> and eventually you get this, you get this mass, you get this structure, this system around your flow state that supports it, right? So it's not this thin little thing. You light it and it falls over, burns the house down. We don't want that. We want a nice stable structure, Something that will allow your gold, allow your flow state to burn clean and, you know, light and just really give that gift to the world. And so you have to build that. You have to choose that. And so even if you're in a job that you can't stand, you're about to go crazy, don't just quit and, you know, create a huge mess in your life. Start small, get clear and just ask yourself, what one thing can I do every day that will move me closer towards living my purpose, living my mission. And eventually you'll build this momentum. You'll build this stable structure around your flow state and you'll be able to just focus on that. And so I think that's really the core of the message is that you can transform your life. You can live an authentic life where you're supporting yourself by making a meaningful contribution every day that puts you in flow, puts that dopamine in your brain and you can have a great life. Mm. I have nothing else to add. That was amazing. <laughs> I love that. I mean, I love in particular that you brought it back to the focus on contribution, right? Because, you know, creating meaning in your world and in your life and even in your business, success or otherwise, is about contribution and what can you contribute and incrementally just increase it, increase it, increase it. So thank you. I love that. Yeah, this was fun. This was great. You're a yeah. great podcast host. Oh, thanks, Craig. I loved having you on. I definitely see you coming back and maybe expanding this conversation. I think even in this short time, there was so much juice out of this. Uh, I'm definitely going to go back and re-listen and take my own notes. I hope those of you listening are going to take notes. If you're driving, listening to this, go back and listen to it and take some notes. And we'll put all the information on uh, purpose mapping and Craig's website in our show notes. So don't forget to have a look at those. Craig, once again, thank you again for being on this show. Uh, it was a joy and a delight. And I love talking to you. Uh, I miss you so much. It was great, Giovanna. I look forward to the next time. Absolutely. Thank you so much for tuning in and keep rising, everyone. For books and resources related to today's episode, make sure you head over to SheRisesPodcast.com and I'll see you there. If you've enjoyed today's episode, make sure you tune back in next week when I dive into more juicy topics to help make your life the best it can be. And hey, if you've enjoyed listening to the show and you love it, head on over to iTunes and leave me a rate and review and subscribe there to the show. 